Hi, everyone. Welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Andrea Pearson, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Lindsay Baroker. And today we're talking about something a lot of new and sometimes actually more experienced authors struggle with, and that is getting reviews. So we're going to be giving you guys tips and tricks along with our own personal experience, our own personal, <laughs> our own personal experience, personal experience, where getting them are concerned. And we'll also discuss running and managing street teams and review crews. But first, let's go ahead and go into news. And Joe, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, I had a just I was entertained by this. Some of my some of my friends and associates were less entertained by this. I found out that there were bootlegs of five of my books out on uh, on Amazon. Uh, had been since 2017. And uh, the way I found out was a, a fan uh, messaged me, I think, on Instagram and was like, there's a series out there. I'm not going to say the name of the series or the name of the author, first of all, because I've already forgotten. And second, because I don't want to drag this into an ongoing thing. But uh, they were like, hey, such and such a series out there is... Uh, not coincidentally similar to yours. And I was like, uh, I mean, I'll check it out. Tell me the name, whatever. I expect it was just going to be a standard epic fantasy hero's journey thing. Like, you know, they just didn't realize how many of these tropes that everybody uses. But it was definitely uh, my book. The first one was. Like, the cover was similar, and the opening paragraphs were almost identical. Almost being the key word, because they were clearly rewritten, but every single sentence was a slightly reworded sentence. So I... Uh, I, I looked at the others and same thing. Like it got to the point where the titles of uh, the f the fifth book, uh, my and theirs had some of the same words, and like the the villains were just slightly altered names of it. Just, it was it was clearly a bootleg. So uh, I did a blog post about it, which I guess I can put into the show notes. But uh, I, I thought it was funny, and I wanted to get the paperbacks. I wanted to have my bootleg books on the shelf next to my real books, but they cost more than my paperbacks, and I couldn't justify it. I charged like 9 bucks. He charges 12 But uh, I, I, I found his Facebook page, and I was like, hey, your series looks awfully familiar. And he did not reply, but within 10 minutes, they were no longer listed on Amazon. <laughs> and then other things, like the Facebook page went away, and this generally... Uh, I spoke to him. They're down, um, which is why we're not. I'm not saying his name because if they weren't down yet, I probably would say his name. Uh, he profuse apology in an email, but also the email contained some stuff that made me think that he had spent a couple of minutes trying to come up with an excuse, and he didn't spend enough minutes because the excuse made no sense. But uh, yeah, so uh, book books one through five of the Book of Deacon had bootlegs out between 2017 and 2020. And uh, hooray, only nine reviews on the most reviewed one. So I don't think I lost any money on them. But it was a really interesting experience to go through. Did you read those reviews and go like, yeah, that's my story. Yeah, that's my story. They're, uh, the only one I went through, the last book only had one review. And the review was, I'm so sorry that the series ended. I was such a big fan of this series. I'm sad to see it end. And that was book five. He, this guy didn't rip off book six, and I wanted to reply to the to the to the review and be like, "Hey, there's a sixth book. <laughs> you could go read it. That's it. and pay me, the writer of it." But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, it was well reviewed, except for the one review that was somebody saying it was ripping me off. So, <laughs> I mean, overall, I guess I write good stuff, even when filtered through someone else. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. You were telling us about that. I was surprised at how quickly it went down. Like the guy knew, you know, that oh, what yeah. he'd done was wrong, and so he put the, he took those down so quickly. And luckily, though, because you didn't have to do anything else. I mean, what yeah. would you have done if he hadn't removed them? I mean, I could have done a, a copyright strike. I'm sure um, there's a button at the bottom of any Amazon page where you can make a claim. But the weird that would be would be more difficult than usual because it wasn't a straight plagiarism; it was a rewrite. Uh, so like, which was actually super clever because it's very hard to find a rewrite because if you can't just do, you know, bulk word searches, but, uh, yeah, I guess I would have done that. And I wouldn't have gotten legal involved because again, the guy probably sold a dozen copies. Like, I don't, I don't think that it was hurting me. I just, he, my, what would have been extra funny, what I wanted my, like my last thing I would have done if I couldn't get this person to take them down is he was in Amazon. He was exclusive. He was in, in KU. Uh, I would have said that that my books wide were his books or something like that. So the Amazon would have dropped the hammer on him. But <laughs> that uh, would have all resolved great. itself relatively amicably. So I just think it's funny now. Yeah, I'm glad you have that attitude because seriously, it can it can kind of 
ruin your life if you let it fester, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So I got interviewed on Jamie is, oh my gosh, Albright. Is that her last name, Lindsay? Yes, she's nodding. Yes, it is. <laughs> Total brain. <laughs> Let me unmute heart. myself here. <laughs> <laughs> we could hear your nod. <laughs> um, I got interviewed on Jamie and Sarah. Is it Sarah Rosette? I'm. I am so. Yes, bad at it is. My goodness, <laughs> <laughs> don't you have notes on this? <laughs> oh, apologies to Sarah and Jamie who have been guests on our show. <laughs> I yeah, I, I have a link in the show notes. But um, I got interviewed on their podcast. What I'd wish I'd known for writers. Um, what I'd wish I'd known then for writers. Um, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with that. And, um, I went and listened to it again and I was like, okay, I still, I still agree with what I said. That's good. <laughs> um, but, and then I'm also almost done with a newsletter marketing course. It's been, oh, it's been so much fun. I've really enjoyed it. Like I've been digging into studies and, and doing a lot of research and figuring out like when it comes to subject lines and previews and, content and all sorts of different things and just a whole bunch of st um, statistics when it comes to newsletter opens and things like that, that I think that people who take my courses are going to absolutely love. Um, and I've been taking a break from writing, like I said, so that Nolan can get his, um, his career change happen, working get done or whatever. Um, and it's been a palate cleanser and it's been a lot of fun. Um, Anyway, so I actually had a question for you too. Uh, I have a book that is already out that is a, it's a, on newsletter lists, but it's more about, it's more broad. This course is very directed towards actual newsletter marketing. So I'm wondering, should I rewrite that book, release a new edition of that book, or should I write a completely new book and have that? I don't know. What are your opinions? Well, you're not going to make as much money if you just <laughs> release the new edition of the old book. So if you could make the first book kind of like introduction to newsletter marketing or whatever, and then book two, advanced newsletter marketing tactics for the professional author or the, the authors who want to become professional, all that should be on the cover. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a great suggestion. And I don't make money on my author books. Like if you go look at them, there's like five reviews. <laughs> so I'm, I just do it as a, it's just nice to have something out there, a book in case anybody doesn't want to take my course, but most people just take the courses. Uh, Joe, jo did, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I agree that uh, like a second edition is nice, but like they're, they kind of fall into a weird like gray area where a lot of people don't really understand what a second edition is. <laughs> you know, sort of like, but where's, do I, do I need to buy the first edition? So you may as well, I think, uh, use it as a companion for the first book than, uh, then try to bulk up the first book. Okay. Lindsay, I was gonna say you also have the option. Then you have a series. You can make book one free for promotions and direct them to book two. <laughs> Maybe you'll sell more than five copies that way. Um, I already have a series. There's four books. I could make this one book five. <laughs> I feel like introduction to newsletter marketing would lead into advanced two. newsletter marketing. Maybe That's more. True. That's true. Nonfiction's kind of weird, you know. People don't, we'd have to ask Chris Fox what, how, how it's gone with his nonfictions because he's got them in a series, but a lot of people just cherry pick, you know? Um, okay. And then also, uh, the title I'm debating, um, newsletter marketing as the main title. I like the advanced newsletter marketing though, Lindsay. That's great. I'm putting that in advanced newsletter marketing. And then my subtitles, powerhouse tactics and strategies for a successful author newsletter. I feel like that needs to be a little bit more powerhouse too, though. <laughs> Yeah, it was just whatever you do, you can make them riff off each other somehow. You know, I just tinker with the old title and relaunch it or whatever. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to you. That's pretty much it for my news. All right. I don't really have any personal news, but I thought I would give you guys my glass half empty perspective, as I know everybody really enjoys that uh, as we're going into fall here. Uh, here in the U.S., the uh, special COVID unemployment benefits ended a few weeks ago, and Congress hasn't extended them yet or figured out what they're going to do as we're recording this on September 3rd. Unemployment is still above 10%. Elections are coming up. Riots and protests are a thing already and could possibly get worse. Consumer confidence, they chart these things, has dropped to a new low. And after an oddly hot summer in the stock market, things took a big dive today. And there's speculation that that could be the start of a bumpy road for this fall. Um, why am I reporting on the economic news? Just because there, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty out there in the economy, not just in the U.S., of course. 
And I think we, it's important to be aware of it ourselves as publishers, as business people. Um, I, you know, I think that the government stimulus stuff, not only in the U.S., it's been done in a lot of places, has kept kind of the worst from happening this uh, spring and summer. But if they're not going to be doing as much going forward, uh, you know, and there is speculation that because we have the election coming up, they will push more stimulus out there. But, you know, we may have just been pushing the can down the road a bit. So we'll see. So far, like, I had a pretty good summer as far as ebook sales in July and August. But just recently, I've kind of had people like on Patreon saying like, hey, you know, I've been out of work since February. I need to go ahead and pause this and right now. And, you know, that's not going to affect me in a big way. I certainly don't. <laughs> I'm not sad. I mean, I'm sad, of course, that they're out of work and having trouble. But, um, you know, I'm not hugely affected yet, but we could be looking at kind of a bumpy fall. So if you, you know, have sales going down, it might not just be you. And um, I remember the last election, I would say, uh, this is probably, my, uh, yeah, it's my third election being a self-publisher. And yeah, there were probably like a good three, four weeks around that where book sales were down. And I think everybody else was seeing something similar. People were just super distracted by the news and everything that was going on. So I just wanted to kind of warn you, especially if you're doing some book launches coming up, then maybe really think about that uh, early on. October, if you're going to do it or wait, honestly, if I was doing a new series, I'm, this might be a good time just to try uh, stacking them and doing a rapid release after the holidays because then you get into Thanksgiving and Christmas kind of being a time when people are often distracted too. Um, did you guys, do you guys remember that? Did you have similar experience last election? Um, yes, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I released, I did a book release four days after the election last year. Uh, that didn't go well. Uh, last year, sorry, uh, 2016, uh, or whatever it is. It was on November 10th, 2016. So it was very close to the election and what an election that one was. So yeah, uh, I didn't really think about that when I set up the, uh, when I set up the release and I should have because it was probably my second worst release I ever had. If you're putting out new books in an existing series, it might not be as bad because I'll probably catch up later, even if they miss the launch. But yeah, I probably wouldn't do a new book one uh, coming up <laughs> around the end of October, early November, if you have a big US audience. Um, if you're elsewhere, maybe it's less of a deal. Although I keep hearing from people in other countries that our elections are quite the spectacle for the entire world. So, And um, our issues seem to bleed over into other people's countries and affect the whole world. So yay, United States for being so special. All right, Andrea, go ahead. <laughs> I was, was going to say, if you're not going to be releasing books, it's the best time to take all of Andrea's courses. <laughs> Just kidding. What will the name of the books be that lead into the courses if you got those titles yet? Advanced Newsletter Marketing. Excellent. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to go ahead and talk about why you need reviews. Um, we're going to discuss that. We're also going to talk about how we got reviews in the beginning and then what we do to get them now. And then we're going to give some do's and don'ts, um, basically some don'ts where reviews are concerned. Um, and then I think we will talk about um, ways to get reviews and then managing review crews and street teams. And Lindsay, you're going to go ahead and start us off, I believe. So I'm going to hand it back to you. All right. I'll list a few things on why do you need reviews and then you guys can continue. Uh, first off, Social proof. Uh, this is a term coined by Robert Caladini. Caladini. I've read his book like three times. Do I know how to pronounce his name? No. Uh, the 1984 book Influence, uh, and the term is also known as informational social influence. Uh, social proof is a better word, but it describes the psychological and social phenomenon wherein people copy the actions of others in an attempt to undertake behavior in a given situation. Did I possibly copy that from Wikipedia, guys? Yes, but I have read the book. It's really good. It's one of those ones where I ended up out or highlighting lots of passages as I read it. Uh, so social proof, one reason people see that you have a bunch of reviews, they want to check out the book. Uh, it's just we take our cues from the crowd since we are social creatures. Also, if you want to have your books accepted on the sponsorship sites, you know, BookBub has never said like you must have at least 50 reviews to get uh, considered, to be considered. But uh, some of the other sites are blatantly will say you need at least 10 or 20 reviews before we will, you know, share your book out there. And then also if you're running advertisements on Amazon ads in particular, where the ads are basically next to it, uh, it's going to be a lot less 
effective to advertise a book without any reviews uh, as one that has a good star average. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, I'm going to say that those are definitely the the key points, but uh, there's a couple other valuable uses. Oh, I should also say with the uh, the social proof uh, thing before I continue, is uh, the way I used to shop when I was shopping for stuff that had a lot of roughly equivalent products, like you know laptops. Uh, I would always sort by most reviews, not best review, most reviews, because it was such a good indicator of how many people actually trusted a product. Even if the reviews weren't that good, just having more reviews sort of gave me more information to make a decision. So social proof was darn effective on me. Um, but yeah, some of the other uses uh, for advertising pull quotes, uh, either from marketing or for your book page, because there's a spot for editorial uh, uh, reviews. Uh, or on the ba- paperback, if you want your paperback to look like uh, they do for traditional. I recently uh, did a, a test hardcover, and I discovered that what I normally put on the back of my paperbacks is on the inside flap of a, of a hardcover, and the back is almost always entirely blurbs, so, uh, like, like you know, uh, pull quotes from, from uh, reviews. So if you really want your thing to look on a shelf like it does uh, you know, the big six, uh, you're going to need lots of reviews. And rarely, but I have made use of this in the past, reviews are useful for finding glaring issues in your books. Uh, I had an issue in some very early stuff where italicized words didn't show up in night mode, which is something I would never have figured out on my own. But uh, more than one person mentioned it in a review, and it was I went through and fixed it. By the way, that's what happens when you have your color set to black instead of automatic on the italic style, in case that exact problem runs in, you know, it showed up in your books. That's really funny. I know I use um, Juto to, to um, um, format my books and they, they give a warning if you have a set font color. They're like, this won't work on a lot of e-readers. And that's kind of handy. I didn't know that about the night italics and the night thing. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so I'm going to second what Joe and Lindsay both said. Um, social proof, just a word on that. I sort by most recent reviewed. And so, I mean, everybody's going to sort by different things. And if all of your most recent reviews are negative... Or if your top reviews are negative, I mean, you're going to want to get more reviews or do something that will, I don't know, if target readers like me get more reviews, you know, that might be more positive instead of the casual Joe, sorry, casual reader who, <laughs> who, um, who average just, Joe. <laughs> the Joe, that's so horrible. Um, Instead of just like somebody who casually and, and accidentally downloaded your book and reviewed it and hated it, you want you want the reviews to be people who you know, are your target audience. And obviously you want them to be people who like your books, but anyway, um, and then I'll add to Joe, what to, to what Joe said there at the end. Um, sometimes for a new author reviews are the best way to find errors. So people who know you when you're first starting out are hesitant sometimes to give direct feedback. They, they're like, they don't want to hurt your feelings. And so you've been getting all these positive, positive, positive feedback. And then you post your book and you start getting negative reviews. And it can be very painful to painful to hear those things when all you've heard is positive. But reviews can sometimes tell you where you're lacking on things you can and maybe should improve upon. So like if there's something that like every single book or like several reviewers mentioned, you know, like I don't know, passive voice, a lot of passive voice, or I've actually had this happen. Somebody used the word like a word too frequently and it just drove me nuts and I went to check out the reviews and other reviewers were commenting on it as well. So just things like that. Um, and then enthusiastic reviews are one of the best ways to get good results on ads. So like BookBub, Amazon, Facebook. One of my favorite tactics is to grab emojis for the yellow stars and put five of them in the row and then an enthusiastic quote from a reader that I snagged off of Amazon. Not, I didn't snag the reader off Amazon. I snagged the review off Amazon. Um, and then I do several of those and that's the only text of the, the ad. And it's worked really, really well for me. And, and, and if you do that, you want to make sure that, that they're short, that they're enthusiastic, that they're not like just a positive view, but that there's something that will catch people's attention. Not like this is a really great book, but this book was fantastic, you know, powerhouse words. Um, and incidentally, my, my advanced newsletter marketing course, I actually have a, a link to an article that I found and I can't remember what site it was on. I read so many articles, but they listed around 800 powerhouse words to use in subject lines and, and, um, previews. You can apply that to which reviews you pick. Um, and then also let's see in case Joe doesn't, didn't mention it. I don't think you did mention it, but you can use those little reviews to get, um, 
so he said pull quotes either for marketing, whatever. Uh, you can use this as, as a way to get readers to download from your newsletter. So I always will have a section that says what other readers are saying, followed by short and again, enthusiastic one-liners. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and segue into... Um, and segue is not the thing you write on, but the French term <laughs> segue. I've, I've run into that in our chats on Twitter. Um, we're going to segue into how we got reviews in the beginning. And Lindsay, why don't you go first? It's because you spelled it the way of the segue that you write. Is why I was teasing you, but it's the exact same thing. I do that all the time when I'm writing. My beta readers are like, this is not the word you think it is. I'm like, I know that, but my brain apparently did not that particular day. All right. How did I get reviews in the beginning? So with my first couple of books, I submitted to all the fantasy book review sites that would take self-published books, which uh, in January 2011 was not very many. A lot of them were very blatantly anti-self-publishing uh, back then. And I, a couple eventually reviewed the books <laughs> many months later. Didn't really move the dial. I did actually have one site, which I'm still thankful for because they were kind of the first site that wrote me up or wrote my book up and uh, said good things and it resulted in sales. The site was the Fantasy Book Critic and I believe it's still out there and, and a few guys run that one. And uh, I, do, I did not submit to them, I don't believe. So they mysteriously found it via Smashwords at the time. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a good experience. But I found for the most part, it was a lot of hunting through and trying to personalize letters to the reviewer, the book blogger, whatever they were. Uh, this was kind of before YouTube book, book, book tubers, I guess they were, was a thing. But didn't get a whole lot of uh, return from that. And I, I was, my guess to be, it's just as many people deluging these folks now. So if, if it's something you want to do, you're probably going to want to have, you know, just like with tribe publishing, have your book, your advanced review copy ready four or six months before you publish if you're going to try to send it out and get reviews. Uh, I did figure out fairly early on that I could ask for reviews in the back of the book. And I've talked about this before, and it really makes a huge difference. Uh, of course, you still have to sell enough copies of the book or be willing to give away copies during a free run that you get enough people to read and get to the end of the book. So that's a bit of a chicken and egg thing there. But I, I still do this sometimes. Usually, I don't ask on every book, but if a you know, if it's like a book one and a new series, and I'm really hoping to get reviews quickly, I will. And I also did it for book six in my Death Before Death for Dragons. Forgot the name of my series. That's always good. Uh, I asked, like, hey, if you want to see more of these characters, uh, please leave a review and, you know, or email me and let me know or Facebook, you know. And I was just uh, saying that, I mean, I'm probably going to do more anyway, but it, it kind of wrapped up the series. So I was a little bit, hmm, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, so that resulted in me getting 200 reviews for that book in the first week it was out uh, versus like the previous book where I had not asked for reviews in the back. Uh, it's at about 160 reviews after two months. So much bigger response when you ask. And of course, if it's something where like them leaving a review and saying they want more and being excited about it may result in more, uh, that's obviously going to be more than like, please leave a review because it helps me. Maybe they want to help you, but um, remember, there's always got to be something in it for the person. <laughs> so, if they, you know, if they think that uh, it's going to be, you know, you're more likely to write more books, which is honestly between re reviews and how much I make. Let's be honest; those are the things that really affect whether I continue on with the series or not. Or sometimes I write more even after the series is kind of wrapped up, and that definitely plays a role. So, uh, I think it's perfectly fine to let people know that uh, and then encourage them to re leave reviews. And I've also said things like, it does help uh, the more people buy the books, the more people find them, the more I'm going to write. So just remember that instead of just asking, let them know that they may get something out of it, <laughs> like another book that they want to read in the series. Uh, if, you, if you feel like it, it's totally up to you. All right. I rambled there a bit. Uh, moving on to Joe. Um, I had sort of a similar experience early on. I submitted my book to a couple of uh, the smaller book blogs, and some of them actually approached me because, again, I had a, a free one that was that stuck in the free chart for a while. So there are a lot of people who are just starting a book blog and can't afford to be buying books and aren't yet confident enough to be asking for free books. So they go to the free book thing. So if you're really looking for reviews, probably still today, uh, a free run is probably a good way to do it. Also, way back in the beginning, uh, 
it was actually advised, I forget where I read it, that you go to Goodreads and look at the Goodreads reviewers who like, there are people on Goodreads who are just very popular. They write very popular reviews and they're followed by a lot of people. Tons of people follow their reviews. So I submitted my book to a bunch of those folks, uh, just sent them in a, a message in their own message system. And I think three of them actually reviewed it. And one of them, I actually saw a bump in downloads afterward because, again, it was a free one. So uh, that's definitely uh, a thing that I did early on. I don't know that I would do it now. Goodreads is Goodreads has always sort of been a little bit harsher in their reviews, or I guess a little bit more uh, blunt. Like, like on a lot of the store sites, you either get a five or a one. Like, very few people are going to give you a three for some reason. But Goodreads, people get really finely tuned. Uh, and I will also say that I also asked in the back matter. And the way I would do it is we often talk about how you should only have one call to action. Well, not necessarily you should only have, but probably only one call to action is going to be followed that you put in the back matter. So I would usually have asking for reviews as my second request. Like there was a link to the newsletter. And then if you read the next sentence, I mentioned asking for reviews. So it was always sort of a low level thing that, uh, again, especially in the free ones really seemed to work pretty well. Yeah. And I want to make a quick point here that I forgot to mention earlier. Um, so it's important to note that only a very small percentage of people will actually post reviews. And I think it's somewhere between one and 10% of people who download. Uh, so every one review, you, you know, so one review for every like 100 or even 1000 downloads. Um, if you aren't asking, a lot of them won't even think about reviewing. And so keep that in mind while you're listening. Um, and oh, this is, I'm, I'm going to be getting like, Lindsay's going to be so, so disappointed in me here, <laughs> but I'm going to be the one to bring up something that is somewhat iffy and, um, probably not the best thing to do. But in the beginning, when I first started this whole thing, there was literally no one and I had zero connections. I had no idea how to get reviews. Um, I ended up turning to beta readers, family and friends and asking them to post reviews, reviews. And these are the rules I followed then. And I was very strict about them. And these are the rules I would suggest you follow now. And I will caveat this in just a minute. But um, first, they had to be people who read the genre already. So it couldn't just be like my mom because she write, she reads romance. And she if she posts a, fan, a review on my fantasy book, she's going to be lying through her teeth because she's scared of my fantasy books. <laughs> they're, too, they're, they're too creepy and too intense. Um, and I also... They had to be critical thinkers. It couldn't be just somebody... And this is like beta readers who you know, gave me solid feedback, not just one-liners. Um, and then it had to be 100% honest reviews. And so when I, I approached a couple of specific people and I was like, would you be willing to post a review? Um, my sister-in-law gave me a negative review. <laughs> so, and, and this is, yeah. And Lizzie says, Amazon tends to delete reviews now from people with links to you. And that is true. But most of those reviews from my books are still up. Um, and so sometimes they can't figure out how they're related or linked to, to you. Um, and then with them, I told them they absolutely had to state in their review that they were related to me or beta read the book or were a friend or whatever. I wanted them to be in that ha that was very upfront. They had to post that right up at the very beginning. And the goal was only to get about five reviews that way. I didn't want to get I mean, because it just made me uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't want my reviews to be from people who know me. And and this is, like I said, this is an iffy area. Uh, it's definitely gray area. Um, and But sometimes it's impossible to get things moving without a little boost. You can even tell them, post a review until I get like 25 reviews and then go de delete your review yourself. Um, I don't regret doing that. I'm very grateful that there are so many op other options for authors now. Um, if you have no clue how to get reviews, even after hearing what Lindsay and Joe did and what we're suggesting in this podcast, that's me saying you're, you're going to find lots of other ways to get reviews. But I mean, you can ask people, you know, other readers, readers, you know, in real life to post reviews, just tread very, very carefully and make sure that they're absolutely and 100% honest. And a lot of our listeners, like 50% are going to be like, just don't do it at all. So, <laughs> um, but again, like I said, if you can't get over that bump and there's the, you're just, it's like the chicken and the egg. You can't get downloads unless you have reviews and you can't get reviews unless you have downloads. And so that's where actually paying services that do reviews, um, can come into benefit, um, can be beneficial. Um, and then there's lots of things that we're going to get into here in a bit, um, that will help get reviews. So how do you guys get your reviews now? Um, I haven't actually put a lot of focus in recent years into getting reviews because 
early on the because of my my free series starters reviews were fairly easy to come by so i didn't really build my review request chops and it shows because you'll see my my recent books are very low on reviews turns out i cultivated a fan base that doesn't often review books uh but i still ask in the back and if it's important i ask above the newsletter like again i have the two action item thing but i move the request for reviews above the newsletter request if i feel like it's particularly important I also now have the Patreon. Patreon gives people uh, a two-week early start on, on the book, and I will occasionally just mention, hey, if you enjoyed the book, there's plenty of places that will let you leave a review, even if you didn't purchase it at that site. I think Amazon might still let you leave reviews for stuff that you didn't buy. You just won't be listed as a verified purchaser or something like that. I could be wrong. But uh, so that's another thing, too. And those aren't technically, like, that's not a beta readers. I don't know that beta readers are necessarily uh, a, a bad source of reviews uh because often like, unless your beta readers are friends of yours uh they're they, they could be completely disconnected from you and then they're just as valid an opinion as anyone else except that they got their hands on the book early um so yeah my but patreon absolutely fair game as far as i'm concerned these people paid for the book and got it early and because they got it early they can usually get in their reviews like you know day one or early on in, uh, in the going so those are basically the ways that i i get reviews now yeah, I, it was a few years ago that Amazon started kind of cracking down on that stuff and people would notice their reviews disappearing. And I know I've had people who are fans on Facebook and only only link to me like we've become Facebook friends, me and 500 other people, you know, how it goes. And they've had their stuff taken down before, presumably because Amazon thinks we have a link. So um I don't know. It's whether they're looking or not, maybe on older books or not. But uh, I don't know if Goodreads is as strict. They are owned by Amazon now, but they weren't originally built out by Amazon and they don't really seem to have changed a whole lot. <laughs> so I don't know if their systems look as carefully. I know one of my beta readers, Critique Buddies, reviewed all of our you know, books that we were in our circle with early on. And I think some of those got deleted uh, from my early books. So I don't know. It's a little tough right now. The Amazon really doesn't want to see anybody with a link to you leaving reviews. Um, you can definitely try it, though. It's not like they are all-knowing and all-seeing, probably. <laughs> but um, what do I do now? Uh, like I said, I, if it's important, I'll ask in the back of the book, like book one for a series and often book uh, the last book in a series. Like I said, that kind of lets me know, like, should I come back and write more of this with these characters? Uh, and sometimes people will even say in the reviews, oh, we still need to see like the sentient sword needs to uh, have a relationship with the other sentient sword or whatever. This is fantasy. Weird things like that happen. And then I'll realize, well, that, that is true. I never really wrapped up that story and it'll kind of make me want to go back to and revisit it but um this does mean like obviously i have a fan base now so i can rely on a certain number of people and andrew is right i think it's like one in a thousand is probably what i've heard if you don't ask maybe if you ask it's like one in 500 or one in 100 depending how much if they're really fans and really want to support you and see more books with the characters but um yeah, it's so I do have the risk because I don't do arcs or to anybody. I have asked sometimes, I think once the Patreon people to leave reviews, but they've also come up against the we are related or linked in some way to this person, so we can leave a review. Amazon didn't take it, um, but Goodreads, I think uh, it's worked okay. But so that means when I launch a book, there aren't any reviews on the first day or two, however long it takes them to get through it. So it's always a possibility. And if it's a brand new series, I do kind of cringe in anticipation that somebody will have read it and hated it. Yo, this one's a first person. We don't like first person uh, and left one star. So I get a little nervous. And then, so I'm like not against arc teams at all. I just, I did it briefly for about six months for my sci-fi series when I was launching in a new genre. And it was work and drama in, in the Facebook group I set up. So I just kind of backed away from it as the series continued and I, I let that go away. Uh, to this day, I'm not doing reviewed crews or arcs or anything like that other than the Patreon people get them early and a couple people will leave reviews on Goodreads. Somebody left some spoiler reviews last time. So that's another thing you have to wor worry about with art teams. I don't think they meant it. <laughs> meant to be super spoilery, but um, you might want to warn people if you do that. Then Andrea's going to do a how-to later on that. But uh, I guess I will pass that off to you now, Andrea. 
Okay. So the ways I get reviews now are I, I have a street team and that's my number one source of reviews. Um, I do also use review services like Booksprout. Um, and I can't remember anything else because it's been actually a couple of years since I did that. So that's, that's not as frequent of a way. Um, and we should actually mention, I should have put a list of different ways to, you know what, I might be able to copy and paste, but, um, I do have a course that's on how to get reviews. Um, and then like I was just thinking, like there are a whole ton of websites out there that are great to go to for reviews. So I'll see if I can go and hunt that down. Um, while, uh, Joe's talking here next. Um, and then I also do giveaways. There's a caveat on caveat on that. And I'll talk about that later. Um, I ask for reviews in my automation sequence. It's like email number five. I ask for reviews before I invo- invite them to join my review crew because I require two reviews for everyone who joins. And if I ask them for, to review the week before, then they've already posted one review. And then again, like they, the other two have said, um, asking for reviews at the back of the books. Um, and Joe, I'm going to hand things over to you. Uh, I know you had a comment you wanted to make, but also we're just going to segue into what are some don'ts where reviews are concerned. Yeah, before we do don'ts, there's just a, a small one. I actually, I actually had two good experiences with this. Um, if you are writing for a very small niche, or if there is a very small niche that might also be interested in your books, uh, requesting reviews on blogs dedicated to that niche, uh, can like, we're talking about just getting reviews, but getting a review on a blog that's dedicated to that niche can really be a huge marketing benefit. And here's the two examples I gave, uh, I can give. Uh, my my fantasy st- stories have a couple of anthropomorphic characters, and there's two s- books that focus mainly on them. And there are, uh, well, the furry community, it turns out, big fan. And I was able to get them reviewed on whatever, some site that, that shares uh, reviews for books that have heavy anthropomorphic focus. And they were honestly some of the most well thought out, like critical, like just a darn good review and a positive review. But, uh, and it also definitely got me a lot of reader readers. So if you're like, you know, whatever, when lit RPG was small, I guarantee that lit RPG blogs were incredibly successful, uh, places to get, you know, your audience because they were just so hungry. So definitely, if you feel like you, you might appeal to a niche and there is a small but dedicated audience that, that follows those, uh, those review blogs, uh, try to get one from there. But we're going to move on to the, uh, the don'ts when it comes to soliciting reviews. I guess I'll do two of these before I, where we hand on. Uh, first off, don't make up reviews. Generally speaking, you're not going to get in trouble for making up reviews. Like no one is going to, you know, you're not going to, Amazon's not going to drop a hammer on you for, for saying that something that they can't prove somebody said, probably. But it is incredibly, like, not classy. Like, if somebody finds out the review is completely fabricated, it reflects poorly on you. And it doesn't really do an awful lot of good. Like, uh, often, when, when people are talking about, like, reviews that they genuinely want to pull, they kind of want to know where it came from. And if you don't give like in order if you're making up a review and then coming up with a fake name and hoping nobody guesses i guess good for you uh, it's not a great idea but you can do it but like if you just put like anonymous or something like that it's it's not going to have the weight that you want anyway so it just in general making up a review is a bad idea and also i don't think we go into this elsewhere if you do like submit to uh, to uh, review services uh, or if you just send out requesting reviews from people don't pay for a good review uh there are plenty of people out there who there are plenty of scams out there who be like hey pay us and we'll give you a good review that's a terrible idea any situation where the review is not 100 percent honest is going to reflect poorly on you uh so yeah in general those are two very important things is is don't make it up because it won't help you very much and it looks bad and don't pay for a good one because if it's revealed then it just basically you reveal yourself to be at the very least not confident and at the very most completely shady okay i think the only place you could actually use a made-up review would be in that review area that amazon allows you to input the things. editorial reviews right and that's actually a great way if you do manage to get the furry people to uh i don't remember if that's what it's called but you you submit to a site like i got the fantasy book critic uh you know and they give you something good you can grab a quote that'd be the place where you could put it on your book sales page to highlight it if it was done off-site and if you ever do a story bundle they always want reviews and it's you know, I'm sure they take Amazon customer, you know, T Todd from Amazon, especially if you 
give them the link to. But it's kind of nice for those if you have a couple book bloggers that have actually uh, read your stuff. So, you know, even though I think I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time trying to get the book bloggers, it may be worth submitting to a few just, you know, if you can get something like that. Um, but yeah, so speaking of spending money, that's going to be a big one is not to buy reviews not only because it's shady, but because it's against the terms of services for most of the stores, probably all of the stores. And Amazon, not to say that the other stores don't care about this, but since Amazon sells everything, they really crack down. I mean, this $5 ebook, eh, they probably don't even care that much about us, but they've had to crack down because it's this huge, like, People getting paid twenty thousand dollars a month to write reviews on fake product, you know, on products that otherwise wouldn't have reviews on Amazon. So they've really cracked down on that for all the products. Um, I kind of peeked on Fiverr before we recorded this just to see if, because I know at one point there were all kinds of like, yeah, I'll review your thing, give me the five bucks, and I will be happy. And like, I think you had to give them a book or something to get a verified review. I don't know, but um, stay off Fiverr anyway. It didn't, it looked like you couldn't do that anymore on there. Not, don't use them for <laughs> buying reviews. There are legitimate places where you can pay to submit a book for review, such as Kirkus. But um, I picked this up from self-publishing advice in an article that they reported that the majority of authors, 16 out of 21, felt that the reviews were not worth the money. And I'll link to, there was a whole you know, article on Kirkus and whether, cause they're about $400, I think four or $500. Um, but you know, the plus of a review from a place like that is you might get something in, you know, useful that you could put in that editorial section, like we were saying, but I am skeptical about how useful that actually is. I sometimes see authors who have filled in every place they can fill in on the Amazon book page with the reviews. And there's like the first chapter is posted somewhere on the book page. And I don't know if that's helpful or not. It's, tough to say. We don't have that data and they don't share it with us. But I think that if you just can shoot for getting like 10 solid reviews on your book, it's nice to get enough so that if you do get the one star, it's not just going to trash your whole review average. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that the av- if the average isn't five star that people aren't going to read the book, but it can be tough when you only have three and and one is one star and the others were like lukewarm, you know? So that, that's why it, it's tough in the beginning. It really is. It's just, we all had our difficult beginnings. So we understand, uh, even if it's easier now for us to get reviews. And, and as I said before, if you are going to try any of these and, um, you know, especially if you're going to submit to like Kirkus or something like that, you're going to need to have the book ready months in advance. If you actually want to have stuff ready for launch, um, uh, hand it back to you, Andrea. Um, okay. So I, um, I don't know. I kind of, there's a lot, there's a ton, but I just went through like my course and through my book that I think is like rock solid platform. I can't remember. Sorry. I am so good. So great at uh, marketing myself. (laughs) Go download my book that I can't remember the title of. Um, okay. So my first thing here was don't have family and friends post reviews. And I did, I did mention that as a possibility earlier, but I don't know, as a more established author, and most of our listeners have more than one or two books out, you don't need to be asking people you know in you know your private personal life to post reviews. Um, so I just totally contradicted myself, but I think it makes sense. Uh, don't argue with reviewers. Um, this is one that, I don't know, I still see people doing this. This is just like posting publicly a review they got that was negative and then arguing. And because you can't respond to our reviews on Amazon anymore. So when authors see these negative reviews, they're like, I have to get my, my say in. I got to get the last word in. So they post on Facebook and then they nitpick it there. And that is just not, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's tacky. Um, and I actually had a question for you too. Um, what is your policy when it comes to responding to reviews when they're e- emailed directly to you? Like, especially negative ones. I've gotten to the point where I just like, I hardly ever even respond to the emails. Uh, in the beginning, I was like, way more better about replying to every email and, uh, saying customer service being customers always right. I just say like, thank you for your time of, for reading the book and um, sharing your opinion. I don't engage at all because that encourages them to write back and keep the argument going. And I'm not into that. So I think just thanks for reading the book. And um, I appreciate you sharing your opinion. If you want to be really a good uh, author and <laughs> business person, I'm kind of got it after I'm in this for 10 years now. I mean, you guys are too. You kind of get to the point where they're like, delete. <laughs> Uh, there's too many emails in the box to, I mean, it, and it depends if somebody actually wrote a thoughtful critical review, 
Um, that's one thing. But you get some off the wall things sometimes. And it's just like, are you, is this my book that you reviewed? I, I don't know. So that's not necessarily the most correct answer, I think. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've done it in two ways. Uh, usually I act as though what they're saying was incredibly useful because often, even if it isn't incredibly useful, there's something in there that I learned. So I'll be like, Hey, thanks for giving me your thoughts. You know, I didn't really think about it that way, blah, blah. I, I am relentlessly positive on, on negative reviews because I'm not trying to win somebody over. I just, want to let them know they didn't ruin my day because they usually don't ruin my day. I used to get hammered hard by bad reviews and then I stopped reading my reviews <laughs> and then I, st I would still read my emails and I would get hammered hard by those. But now I realize that, you know, especially if you, you know, kill them with kindness, like, again, I say I'm not trying to change their mind. You'd be amazed at how often they come back with a follow-up email. We're like, well, I guess I was a little bit harsh and blah, blah, blah. Like, like never argue. Like, you can... No, don't contradict their point. That point is their opinion. Like it, very, very seldom are you going to receive like a factually incorrect criticism. And those are the only ones you can actually argue with. Otherwise it's just, did I like it or didn't I like it? So I always just sort of take it as it's like, well, thanks for all the useful input. I'm really glad that you, that you picked up the book and I'm sorry you won't be moving on to the next one, you know? So just positivity. Yeah. And even if they, I've had several, I don't know, like, Somebody was like, this is not the right sword for the time period, or this is not the right gun. This is not how you use a gun. And I'm like, you don't, don't correct them. I mean, even, I mean, you can argue with them, but they're looking a lot of the time, if they reach out to you, they're looking for a fight. And so it's just better to just not engage, you know, disengage number one. <laughs> um, that was a really bad reference to Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> okay, so... Sounded just like Riker. Good job. I <laughs> totally Riker, got it. <laughs> Riker with the beard. Yes. <laughs> okay, um, my last thing is don't swap reviews with other authors. And I feel so strongly about this. Oh my gosh, I still... Ugh, this is like a serious pet peeve. I still see all the time authors saying, and these are authors who are established, who I've known for a long time saying, Hey, I need reviews on this. Can I post a review for your book? If you'll do a review for mine, this is called back scratching and Amazon hates it. Amazon hates it. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's like a gray area again. And those reviews are most likely going to get re re removed anyway. I just don't ever participate in back scratching type things where I don't know. I don't know. What are your guys' opinions on, on swapping reviews with other authors? Don't. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wouldn't recommend it. Uh, if you want to do something, if you really, really want to do something like that, you can make it sort of a newsletter feature where like you read their book and talk about it in your newsletter and they do the same because then it's a newsletter swap. Uh, but yeah, using it on the actual store page is not a great idea. Like, like you say, it'll, it'll get uh, taken down. Yeah. And a lot of the time, the authors, they're like, they're, they're posting and saying they're looking for, they're drumming up massive numbers of authors to review for them. I mean, a newsletter swap is, is different. And I don't see, I think in that case, you, you could po post a review on Amazon, but it probably will get deleted, but just, just don't do the, yeah, don't anyway, Joe off to you. All right. So this is one, like this one's, this is a, uh, there's a lot of gray area in this one, but don't change the wording of reviews to fit what you like better. So what we're doing, we're not talking about, we're not talking about taking a review that has two good lines and removing the middle. You can do that. You know, like it was a real tour de force, dot, 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 a, you know, throw a minute. Like that's fine. That's just what people do. Um, but You'll occasionally see somebody do the uh, the bracket thing, <laughs> where it's just like, I really thought that bracket some other words was blah, blah, blah. And that's probably still okay, but I would already not be doing that. You don't want to put any words into the, into the reviewer's mouth because it's disingenuous. Uh, and if you're just flat out rewording a review, like even if you're keeping the intent, if you're rewording the review, it's no longer accurate. You're being inaccurate and in, then in, in, you don't want to ever be inaccurate in any marketing of any kind. And finally, uh, if you reward the review uh, and don't preserve the intent, like if you do, if somebody had a review was like, I really, really did not like this book. And then you do a dot, dot, dot over the word not. <laughs> like, I really, really did like this book. Absolutely wrong. It's completely, it's scummy. And again, it's disingenuous and it's fraudulent. So uh, 
if you're going to, the best you can do is abbreviate a review and not even abbreviate sentences. Just take sentences out. That's the, the absolute maximum you can do for altering a review. That's why I kept on using the phrase pull quotes, because obviously you don't want to put a full review up, or sometimes you do if it's a really glowing one, it's well thought out. But uh, you can pull a couple of really good lines from a review. That's perfectly fine. And that's as far as I would ever go when it comes to altering the content of a review. And Lindsay, you had, I think I stole your, stole words right out of your mouth when I was saying, don't complain about reviews online. Did you want to add anything to that? I, I think that we've kind of talked about this for a while. So why don't we segue into just, um, for people who want to know how to run a arc team, street team, I think they'll be listening for that, but don't complain about reviews online where people can see it, guys. I see actually, honestly, six figure authors doing that and like, really, you're making awesome money. Don't complain about this stuff. It's, it's okay. Just write the next book. But yeah, do you want me to lead you into that? We were just going to ask Andrea questions. I think you're the only one doing it. So you're our expert in the house. Sounds good. All right. So, and Joe, you're welcome to chime in too, of course. Uh, how did you get your review, review crew started? I guess street team is easier to say. Maybe that's why people say it. Yeah, I, I try to like help my clients recognize. I mean, people use street team and review review team interchangeably, but a street team is technically a group of people that are supposed to go out and get people excited to download, and they can do that by posting reviews. But um, my my review crew and street team is called Rcast Andrews Review Crew and Street Team Street Team. They sometimes will help me spread promotions and stuff like that, but they usually just focus on reviews. Uh, and the way I got it started was through my automation sequence. Like I've already talked about that in the past. Um, I, I asked people to, you know, post a review on one specific book. And then those who are interested the next week, I email them. Um, sorry, next week, the next email in my automation sequence is talks about my review crew. And I talked about, um, I basically make it sound like a really awesome place to be, which it it, generally is. It's not usually a negative place because it's run privately um, via emails from me to the list. They respond to me privately. I think what you experience, Lindsay, is going to happen if people post on, on Facebook. There's just a lot of... Facebook is drama. Um, and so... Um, Anyway, I just tell them I like, I do giveaways and I, you know, I turn to them for suggestions on, on a lot of different things, you know, like what book should I write next? Cause these are generally my hardest fans, you know, biggest fans. And then, um, I just make it sound like a really good place to be, which it is. They get free books in exchange for posting reviews. And that's the only thing I require of them is to post reviews. And I don't even require it. I don't run my street team super strictly. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but, um, Anyway, so that's how I got it started was through my automation sequence and then gradually and then occasionally like people will sometimes not be in the point a place in life where they can actually join a street team when they see that email. And so about once every six months, sometimes once a year, I'll, I'll send out a mass email and say, uh, if anybody's interested in joining my review crew to get my books for free, post two reviews. Let me know once you've done so. Tell me which books they're on. I don't ask them at that point to send reviews and then I will add them to... Uh, sorry, I'll add them to my um, my review crew. I was I did start out managing it as a Facebook group, so there you go. You probably need to have an admin hire somebody just to take it, handle it all for you, so you don't have to deal with any any drama. And it wasn't even drama against me; they were like snipping at each other, <laughs> you know, and she, when they were sharing thoughts with the book. So I, I actually did move to email later on, but it was actually pre book funnel. This tells you how old this was. So it was it was a real challenge. We were like, how do I get this on my device? So maybe it'd be a little simpler now. Um, but it is it is work. So that's something to consider. Um, do you feel like you kind of it's almost like you need a fan base already to get these people? Or are there any ways that newer authors could like borrow them from other authors? Or you know, like, how could they get started if they don't have a big fan base yet? Um, what I did in the beginning, and that's, thank you. That's a good reminder. I didn't have an automation sequence in the beginning. I actually posted like on Twitter and on Facebook and used hashtags and said, I'm looking for people who read this genre and who like to post reviews to review my books. And I mean, I went through the good re Goodreads route, you know, reaching out and I hate Goodreads. I don't use it at all. I haven't been on for years, but I reached out to reviewers there and that's how I started my initial team. I didn't even have a place to put them. I just kept their emails in a spreadsheet and would contact them anytime I had a book that needed to come out or that needed reviews that was coming out. And I mean, I, you can still do that. Just, you know, just post on Facebook and you can, you can post it and not make it be a, 
you know, like just for friends and family, a lot of us authors have, you know, you know, we have connections with other authors and you can ask other authors who write similar books if they wouldn't mind sharing with their readers. And again, I mean, that's something that I don't know, like, um, even advanced authors, you know, advanced authors, more experienced authors might be willing to do things like that. You know, just say, Hey, I've got an author friend who's just starting out and I, I've read their book. I loved it. Or I've read, you know, the first few pages of their book, the first cha- chapter of their book, and they're looking for reviewers. Would any of you mind helping them out on that? So that's just something that you, you can do. Um, again, it you would want to make sure these are authors you already have a relationship with, you know, cold emailing, cold calling never gets good results in my opinion. But again, this is, I mean, this whole business is about networking. And so start networking now and, um, it'll get you going, uh, even if you have zero connections. And a lot of our authors who listen don't have zero connections. <laughs> I will say I briefly also had a review team with my pen name. Uh, and I started the pen name anonymously as a kind of an experiment. And so I didn't also have any connections because I wasn't relying on my own stuff. And what I did is it, I made the first book free. I kind of rapid released the first three. And I re- basically recruited review team people at the back of the first book. I'm like, hey, they read to the end. They must not have hated it probably. So, I, And then I took that out once I had enough people and by that time I knew to be a little smarter and I did it as an email. You know, I made like, I just emailed the people uh, rather than trying to do a Facebook group or anything like that. And that was pretty short lived, uh, cause I stopped releasing as often with the pen name, but I think for the first five or six books, I had, uh, I had a little review team and it worked out pretty well because I made the first book free. I was able to get a bunch of downloads, uh, and get some people that way and review, you know, I don't know if we talked about that, but free books are easier to, <laughs> you just get more people reading. So if you get 10,000 people to download and maybe a thousand of them read, there's somebody right there or a couple of people that may leave reviews. Um, last thing I'm going to ask, and then I'll see if Joe has any questions too, as far as street teams or review crews, <laughs> which I cannot say for some reason. Do you have any regrets or like mistakes or things that you wish you'd had done differently? Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I do. Um, in the beginning, people, I listened to a lot of authors who had more experience than me and they're like, you need to run your crew, your team this way, or you need to run your team this way. And so I switched things up. So first I was really, really lax about who joined my list. I let anybody join my review team, um, regardless of whether they'd done something or not. And as it turned out, that didn't work out super well for me because it's, it's hard. Some personalities, you know, I'm kind of this way a little bit. I don't mind if some people get a free book who agreed to post a review and then don't post a review. But if like 75% of my review team is getting a free book and not posting reviews, that kind of irks me. And I know that it just depends on your personality. So that bothered me. And so I flipped completely and I followed other experienced authors advice, which was run a this is a really strict street team where if they're not posting reviews, if they're having health problems, you boot them off and tell them to join again later. And that I did that for a little bit. And it just, I, I hated that too. It just made me feel super bad because everybody has lives and everybody has things come up. And it's just, I don't know, like one of my reviewers has been, oh man, her, her situation is just absolutely heartbreaking. She got in a really serious accident. And as far as I know, it's been two years and she's still in the hospital. Um, she's had thousands maybe of surgeries, at least last time I heard it was well over a hundred to just basically put her body back together, complete facial reconstruction, everything. Um, and her husband sent me a video of the accident. It was horrifying. Um, but my books have kept her going and the other people that she writes for, you know, those kinds of things have really, really helped her going. And she sometimes will be several months behind and then she'll just post all of them. And, um, yeah, so I don't run my street my street team super strictly anymore, but I'm also not <laughs> Lindsay, you know who I'm talking about. And I'm also not super lax. And so I'm kind of in the middle where I like to have between 100 and 250 members of my team and I give um I'm very forgiving when they can't review for a time and I'm I'm, you know, if if they don't think they can review for like several months to a year, I give them the option of whether they want to stay or whether they want to leave. And some people stay and some people leave. And that's been, that's been really, really great. And so that's, yeah, that's basically how I currently run it. All right. I got a couple of questions. And one of them I was going to ask was how many people should you have on your, your street team? So you say how many, a couple hundred? 
Um, it depends on your goals. Like um, Mark Dawson's ears are going to burn. I know he's got like probably 900 people on his street team. Um, and then, but some other people only have 50 and they're the ones who are very, very diligent to review every single time. So it depends on your goals and how you run your team. And uh, like, one of the other questions I have is obviously a lot of what we're talking about is getting early reviews, like reviews shortly after the release of the book. But like, is there still like, you talk about catching up months later. Uh, reviews are still reviews, obviously. And lots of us are really aiming for the long tail of our of our book. So like, can you, is it worth, would you say running a street team where even if you can't review immediately, just be like, hey, if you ever get a review ad, fine by me. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, for a little while, I had an automation sequence that went every three or four days automatically to people who sign up for my review crew. And it would, it would basically lead them through my series and give them download links and then, and then the review links. And that, that worked really well. It kept people going. Um, I don't do that anymore just because it's, I don't know, it's work again. Every time I have a new book, I have to add it. So I don't, I don't do that. But if you don't release frequently, that's something you can do. And my automation sequence currently has an email that asks for reviews on books that I'm currently targeting. So for example, Shade Amulet, um, about 150 of the 200 reviews came from people who, um, came on through my onboarding sequence. And that book has been out since, I don't remember, 2017. Um, and so, if I have a first book in a series or a box set that needs reviews, I will just plug that into my automation sequence and you can ask for reviews at any point and they can go back and review backlog backlist because reviews, like you said, they're beneficial regardless of when you get them. And I think one last question is like, it, let's say that you are uh, the kind of person who wants to have a small list that's very active. So you're very, you know, actively maintaining it. How are you determining, because you said you did it for a little while, how are you determining whether or not they've, they've done a review? Like, do you require them to send you a link to the review? And if they didn't, then you assume they didn't do it? Or are you like going out and trying to track down these reviews? Um, both a uh, couple of the author friends I've talked to, they have assistants who will go because sometimes people will review, but if they have to do work after they post reviews, they're not willing to go and, um, find the link to the review and send it to you. And so I've got my assistant who mon who monitors a spreadsheet. And what I've done is I have my reviewers, they send links to me or to Adriel and they will, and she'll put them inside that spreadsheet so that we keep track of. Cause part of the problem is I've got, you know, 75 plus titles out now and reviewers sometimes don't know which books they've reviewed. And so I've given them access to that spreadsheet sheet so they can see the link to their review and whether, you know, which book it's on and things like that. And that's been helpful. Um, so with a tight list, yeah, you're, you're going to need assistance. You're going to need somebody's help to run that. You can have a volunteer, a reader help you manage that. I've actually had several of my re readers ask if they could take over helping to manage that before I had Adriel on board and they don't begrudge that. They love doing things for their favorite authors and, and that's volunteer work for them. And you don't need to feel guilty that they're doing it for free. That's another thing authors feel guilt for <laughs> getting, getting free help. Um, and so that's something that you can do. Um, and then I just, I don't recommend doing it yourself because that's, it's just so much work. It's so tedious. Um, yeah. And Joe, I think you're done now, correct? Okay. So, um, I forgot to mention a caveat on my giveaway earlier. I said giveaways caveat. And then I didn't give the caveat. Uh, if you use a giveaway to get reviews, it has to be a legal giveaway. For example, when a book reaches a certain number of reviews, everyone can enter to win a giveaway. Um, you can also hold a giveaway where people can get a bonus entry if they post a review. Uh, but again, it has to be everyone is eligible to enter. Uh, you cannot tell people they need to review to win, but you can offer a bonus point for somebody who does post a review. And so that was just my little caveat on reviews. Um, and then I've got my list of services that you can go to for reviews. This is from my course, which has not been updated for a couple of years. So I'm not sure if, if some of these are still active, but here they are. So I've already mentioned Booksprout. Um, Reading Deals has a review service. Review Grabber, um, I think that's through Happy Book Reviews, which is um, Jim Kukrell. I don't remember. Do you guys remember who Jim Kukrell is? I don't remember who Jim Kukrell is. <laughs> he was the co-host of the Summer Book Show for like, I'm sorry, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> Are you? I mean, I don't know. He's been gone a year. I don't, is he still doing the service? Um, I think he is. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> sorry, I'm such a brat. That was for Brian Cohen for whenever he listens to that. Um, Hidden Gems. I'm a reader, not a writer. OWS Inc. 
I don't remember what that stands for, but OWS Space Inc. Book Razor, Choosy Book Reviews, 100 Reviewers, Quill and Ink PR. And then of course, my course, of course, my course (laughs) has uh, a bunch of different ways to get reviews. Um, I think we're done now. Do you guys have anything you wanted to add in? Just that you need to send me your list so I can put it in the show notes for the show. (laughs) I don't think we have it in our document here. We don't. I will go ahead. Thank you. I will go ahead and add that in right now. Um, Joe, did you want to add anything? No, I think that covers it. Okay, awesome. So that's pretty much it. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, I hope this was helpful. If we missed something, go ahead and post a question in the Facebook group, which if you're not a member of, you should totally join because we're, we're like so cool over there. Um, you can't even uh, yeah. post. You don't even post, do you? Joe doesn't post. Oh I no, go, we are cool like because <laughs> no, I don't. I don't post in there very often. I've actually wanted to post more, but I'm like, hmm, how would people respond to this post? And then I second guess myself and don't post. <laughs> we should probably complain egg. about reviews. There is what we should be doing in the group. Oh yeah, totally complaining into a private public group about reviews. There you <laughs> Sorry. go, Joe. What did you say? I reply when I'm tagged. So do I. No, actually, we've got really cool people who are making it a pretty cool group, even if we're hit and miss on our attendance. Yeah, like I love the feedback people give there. It's it's it. We really do appreciate it. Um, we appreciate getting reviews on the sites for podcasts, but we also appreciate hearing from you guys in that group. It's been it's uplifting and encouraging. Makes us feel like we're doing something good. Um. Uh, yeah. So thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show and you guys can uh, find show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six, by the way, we haven't had a, a comment or question come through there. They mostly get posted to the Facebook group. So come join the Facebook group, um, answer the question about the beard and the member of our podcast who has the best beard. <laughs> and it's not me or Lindsay. <laughs> and that's um, all the clues you get. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's pretty much it. We'll talk to everyone later. Bye. Bye-bye. So long, everybody. <laughs>